Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer and an entrepreneur. My mission, what I stand for is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher. One who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and effectively so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. This mission reflects the core ways of being that I work to develop in teachers. Confidence, clarity, purpose, impact, and connection. Through my mentorship program and my premier offer called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field and beyond, and a dose of personal development. For more information on my programs, please see my website, barebonesyoga.com. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 69. Now, teachers, I need to start out this episode um, in a way that I hope in the future, I don't need to start out this episode in this particular way. I think though it's important for us to acknowledge where we're at right now. I'm recording this on March 31st and we are very much in the thick of the COVID crisis and the COVID outbreak, the global pandemic, and our lives have been changed. You know, certainly um, not only in the immediate, but uh, really forever. I, I really think how we uh, emerge from this and when things are more under control, we're really going to be a new um, global community because of what's happened. So, you know, again, this particular episode isn't about this topic, but I do think um, even just for documentation purposes, it's helpful maybe not helpful, but it's important to acknowledge where we are right now, both individually and collectively as a global community, that we're dealing with this and, and how we are dealing with this really varies from person to person. Um, so I guess the first thing I wanna say is I hope you are well physically. I hope people that you love are well. And if you personally are affected by this virus or someone that you love, I send you my deepest, deepest thoughts and support. And I hope that you stay strong during this challenging time. So now that you know we've kind of acknowledged that, I, I want to kind of piggyback on this topic a little bit and imagine a time and we don't know when that time will be, but imagine when this crisis is over and you emerge from your house, I want you to think about what will you look like? <laughs> what will you feel like, right? Will you have grown as a result of your time 
inside. And when I say your time inside, I mean physically in your house, but also in your mind, right? If some of you are using this time to meditate more, to journal more, to just, you're finding that you have time alone. I know for many people, they're home with kids and so they don't have that time available to them. Uh, so that's a different scenario. If your scenario is different and you do have time by yourself, you know, all of that makes an impact on how you will be when you emerge from your home, when we have restrictions lifted. And, and the question really is imagining if you can take a moment and imagine how you'll be when that happens, you know, cause we have an opportunity here to use this time to, I don't really want to say better ourselves, but we can use this time for personal growth or we can use this time and kind of retreat into our self-limiting thoughts. And then when things start to go back to normal, we just kind of dive back in to our self-limiting habits and just kind of get back on the train of life. And that's really something that I hope as individuals, as well as a nation and a global community, I really hope that this gives us an opportunity to make some shifts that we really need to really kind of act as a more global community and as individuals act with more integrity and more responsibility, not only for our health, but just for how we conduct our lives, right? There's nothing like um, this situation where we're with very, I don't really want to say with very little warning, but when we all as individuals, depending on where you live, got to a point where restrictions were imposed, you know, now there we were with this scenario where we had to start to kind of make these drastic changes in our life. And so again, it is an opportunity, I think, obviously, with some of the, the more painful aspects and the aspects of loss, that is undeniably part of this picture as well. Um, and at the same time, there is, and this is where nuance comes into play, right? There is also an opportunity for us um, if we are well uh, physically to invest in ourselves and emerge from this, uh, this situation uh, better and more knowledgeable about who we are and maybe where we want to go as people. And for you, my audience, where you want to go as a teacher. And so that's really what this episode is going to be about. And I'm going to blend in some anatomy teachings as well. Um, so that's kind of going to be the focus for today, harnessing this time as an opportunity. So more on that in a minute. I want to make sure that if you're a yoga teacher and you're listening, that you're in my anatomy work group on Facebook. So that uh, Facebook group is called the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy Work Group. It is just for teachers. And when you request to join, there are four questions, four questions. I don't know, for some reason in the, in the UI, in the user interface, I feel like people don't always see them. Um, if you answer those four questions and one of them is, are you a teacher? I'll review the application and I'll, uh, I'll get you into the group. 
but you have to answer all four. <laughs> so when you go on Facebook, just search the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy Workgroup. It's a really great group of teachers globally. There's almost a thousand teachers in there from all over the globe. And we have nice conversations about different aspects of anatomy. I do some teaching videos in there, post some articles in there. So it's a really nice ongoing resource and a way to leverage your time on social media for self-growth and self-education. Uh, I want to also let you know that last week, and you may have seen this on social media or heard me talking about it in my Instagram stories, I had open enrollment for my signature program, the Blueprint Learning Program. And if you miss that and you want to get in on the next enrollment, just get on the waiting list because I'll tell you, this time around, I offered those on the waiting list a special deal to enroll. And I may do that again next time. So it really behooves you, if you think this is a program you want to uh, invest in, to be on the wait list because there's an advantage to kind of putting your hat in the ring and saying, yeah, I'm interested in this. Does it mean you have to buy something? Is it a commitment? Absolutely not. But this is part of what I'm trying to develop in teachers, a willingness to take action. And, and that's really something that, not just for yoga teachers, but in life, I can certainly say for myself, there were many, many years as a teacher that I sat back and said, I wish I could do this, or I wish I would do that, or, and time and time again, self-limiting beliefs like fear, fear of being judged, fear of nobody showing up, fear of rejection, fear of spending money, all of it got in the way of me taking action. And if I could go back to those years and do all the things then that I'm doing now, it'd be very different. My story would be very different. Um, and so I don't want you to lose time. And I don't really feel like I lost time, but I guess what I'm trying to say is even little things like putting yourself on the wait list for something that you might think is a program that can make a positive impact on your teaching, that's a step, that's taking action. And then as you go down the line, different things, investing in programs, going to trainings, lots of these things that show taking action, that demonstrate, right? What's the Buddhist principle? Right action. So all of that, it's like building a muscle rather than being paralyzed by self-limiting thoughts, taking action, really in a way, again, from Buddhism, right? Without having attachments, attachment to results, doing it for the sake of doing it. And I don't mean you're going to go willy-nilly and just start enrolling in all these different programs. What I do mean, though, is that rather than being super attached to the outcome, to take joy and take pride in the fact that you're taking steps. So having said that, my Blueprint Learning Program waitlist is on my homepage of the website, barebonesyoga.com. I also have a waitlist for my mentorship program. That's an application only program, but if you are on the waitlist, I'll reach out to you and I'll give you the details about how to apply. Open enrollment for that program isn't until June. So the other thing I wanted to share along those lines, and this kind of goes well with the theme of this podcast, is that last week, uh, the open enrollment I had for the Blueprint Learning Program brought in a whole bunch of new teachers, and I was blown away by how optimistic and open to learning they were, given what's happening in the world right now. Because again, you would think that teachers might be kind of 
really restricting their access to learning, really not open to coaching, not open to expanding their skills. What I found though, is that these teachers that enrolled and as I'm having intro calls with them, I am absolutely inspired by not only how they're getting through this crisis time, but that at the same time that's happening, uh, they are open to learning and they are at a point where they're objectively looking at where they are as a teacher, where they are on their path and making strategic decisions about what kinds of programs can I invest in to fill in this learning gap. And I really, really want you to do that as well, regardless of whether or not you invest in one of my programs, because one of the things that I, I do have a concern about is that there is this kind of trend. And when I say trend, I mean teachers kind of getting in this rowboat and going with the flow of what everyone else is doing when it comes to training. And specifically what I'm talking about is this kind of general rule of thumb that seems to be out there. Oh, I'll get my 200 hour. Oh, then I'll get my 500 hour. Oh, then I'll you know maybe get a specialty training certificate oh, then maybe I'll affiliate with a particular teacher and go through that teacher certification program. And at the end of that whole path, and maybe 10, 15, $20,000 spent, and who knows how much revenue lost for the time you had to take off from your job to go to all those trainings, what does the teacher have to show for it, except maybe a bunch of numbers after their name on their business card? Now, I am not saying that there are not great programs out there. I am not saying that there are not great teachers out there. All I am saying is that it seems to me what we've created is a training path for teachers that kind of assumes that everybody needs the same thing and also assumes that more hours equals more knowledge equals a teacher that makes a bigger impact. I don't necessarily subscribe to that model. And that's why one of the things that really inspired me about these teachers is that they stepped back from that general flow of what everybody else is doing. And they looked at my program and they said, this can meet a specific need that I have. This can meet a specific learning gap that I feel I have. And I know where I wanna end up at the end of this program. And they could articulate that to me. And that's exactly the kind of teacher I wanna work with. And again, this is not a pitch for my program. That could be a pitch or that could be a mindset that they shared about somebody else's program. However, what they did and what I encourage you to do is step out of the rowboat, step away from the flow of what everyone else is doing and make strategic decisions about the trainings you invest in. Unless you have all the time and money in the world, it's really important that you do that. Now, of course, if you wanna become a yoga nidra teacher, or you wanna become a children's yoga teacher, or you wanna work um, with trauma uh, clients, uh, people who have been affected by trauma, there are lots of special, or there are specialty training programs for those niche markets, those niche populations. Definitely smart to invest in those. However, just getting another 300 hours lumped onto your 200 hours by investing in a program that's a general training, I wonder what that gives you, right? I mean, think about when your students come to your classes, do they ask you how many hours of training you have? I mean, some of this has been kind of held out as the standard 
with, you know, with, without a lot of questioning about what's really, what's, what are we really holding out there? So I don't want this to go off into a whole bunch of, you know, conversation about the current process. I'm simply saying that, again, unless you have all the time and money in the world, take the time to make strategic decisions about the training programs you invest in and make sure you have a clear sense. Think about Stephen Covey. Uh, he wrote um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Living and his main tenet is begin with the end in mind, right? So invest with the end in mind. It doesn't mean again that you're gonna be attached to that outcome, but it demonstrates that you're making a decision based on a thought process. So welcoming those new teachers into the program and hearing their stories. One of them is working still full-time because she has an essential job. She's um, sewing uh, masks for healthcare workers at night. She opened a yoga studio about three weeks before the COVID shutdowns. And she still, and she has kids, and she's still invested in the program because she's open to learning. So just major props to these teachers. So I wanted to also let you know that next week I'm going to be offering a new workshop series. It's going to be the first in a series of online workshops because obviously everything's going online these days. This is going to be a teaching workshop not yoga pose workshop. So this is going to be a series of workshops based on anatomy lessons, anatomy information. The first one is going to be about shoulder anatomy. So if you're listening to this somewhere around the end of March, that uh, workshop is currently scheduled. I'm just looking at my calendar. That workshop is currently scheduled for April 8th at 4 p.m. Eastern and you can DM me for the registration page, which I just finished today, and I'll start marketing that next week or this week. So let's make a shift to a brief anatomy lesson. And I wanna talk about this with you from the perspective of understanding muscles in the context of movements. So, one of the things I was thinking when I went for a run the other day is I was focusing on my psoas muscle, which I know sounds really weird, <laughs> but a lot of times when I go for a run, um, especially outside versus on the treadmill, I have obviously time to think. And I think about as I'm moving my legs, like what muscles are involved in this movement. And if I connect to my psoas, if I visualize my psoas muscle, the origin and insertion, lower back to, uh, to, part of my femur, the, the trochanter of the femur, I can kind of imagine it in my mind, my thigh pulling closer to my body, my hip moving into flexion as I'm running. And so for me, it's a little bit of anatomy in motion, but it's a great way to just, you know, kind of seal in the anatomy knowledge. Now, one of the things we need to keep in mind, of course, is that in this particular example, it's not just my psoas that's flexing my hip. There's also the rectus femoris, which is part of the quadriceps complex of four muscles. And, you know, to a certain extent, there's even some other muscles as well. Uh, the sartorius, which is the longest muscle in the body, is also a hip flexor. The point is that when we think about muscles like this in isolation, as they relate to the movement that they create, we can't forget that there are collaborators, right? There are other muscles that help that muscle out. Those technically are called synergists, 
collaborators would be kind of a conversational way to refer to them. So the idea is, while it is a great way to learn and remember muscles, to think about them in the context of movement in an isolated way, we never, never, never want to forget and have an appreciation for the global look at the body, the kind of looking at the body as a whole. Because if we, in learning anatomy, just think of it like parts, we lose that appreciation. And this is really important for yoga teachers to understand because your students are mostly going to think of their body like parts. And when they come up to you after class with a question, they're going to probably point to a part of their body and say, I hurt here. What muscle is here? Can you help me stretch this part of my body? And that's usually how it goes because people, even when they go see their doctor or their physical therapist, they have a very kind of limited view of the body. And that's kind of the consumer understanding of the body. However, when you start to learn anatomy and start to learn about fascia and start to learn about all the muscles and learn about collaborations between muscles and muscles working together for the good of movement, which are synergists, and muscles working together not so much for the good of movement, things like synergistic dominance, when one muscle that is a collaborator with another muscle gets really, really overly contracted and does too much, so they're not working together, now one is working a lot harder than the other, so the other one gets weaker. So all of that, the point is, I want you to develop a more discerning understanding of anatomy so that you have this appreciation that informs everything that you do from teaching to answering questions to working with students privately and all of that. So I just want you to keep that in your mind as I go through this, this little or these little examples. So let's think about a couple, I wanna to present to you a couple of different muscles and uh, poses where those muscles are in action. And when I say in action, what I'm talking about are concentrically contracting. So muscles that concentrically contract create the anatomical action. So if I you know, make a fist and pull my fist in towards my shoulder, you know, so I look like Popeye, the, uh, the cartoon character, I'm con concentrically contracting my biceps. I'm eccentrically lengthening my triceps, but I'm not talking about that kind of contraction. I'm just talking about the concentric contraction. So in a pose like warrior one, if your right foot is forward, your right hip is in flexion. So the muscle that is concentrically contracting to create that flexion is your psoas. It's just like the example I gave you of when I was going for a run. So your psoas, if you envision your lower back around the front of your pelvis, uh, inserting on the femur towards the top of the femur, that is the origin insertion of the muscle. And when the muscle concentrically contracts, the insertion moves closer to the origin. Therefore, your thigh bone moves closer to your belly. Therefore, your hip is moving in flexion. That's your psoas. So that's just kind of a little kind of framework for envisioning yourself in warrior one and the muscle creating hip flexion. Another one would be if you're in plank, moving from plank, plank to low plank, imagining the muscle that wraps around the center of your body contracting to keep your belly from hanging down. That's your transversus abdominis. It's a muscle that wraps around the center of your abdomen. It's like a corset. It has a very, obviously, very broad origin and insertion because it wraps around the whole body. And when you hug the sides of your body in, you're contracting your transversus abdominis. So that's a great cue to share with people when you have them move from high to low push-up so they don't have that kind of drag towards the floor with the abdomen as they make that shift. 
Another thing to think about is the external rotators of the hip. So if you place your hand on the back of your body and you have the heel of your hand on your sacrum and you have your fingers kind of uh, directed towards uh, the outer hip, that's generally the placement of external rotators of your hip. They live on the back of your body in the posterior line and they're muscles like your piriformis, your gemelli muscles, your obturator muscles, and your quadratus femoris. These are all muscles that externally rotate your hip. So imagine as you're in warrior two, if your right foot is forward, that right hip is moving into external rotation. All of those muscles are collaborating, acting as synergists on the back of the body to open your right hip. And then the last one is your latissimus dorsi. So if you've never seen an image, I'd highly recommend you Google it. Uh, the latissimus dorsi is a very broad, flat muscle, and it runs uh, from a very broad uh, origin to one distinctive insertion point, the intertubical groove of the humerus. So you probably can't do it on your own body, but if you have someone around and you place your hand at their lower back and you have their, your fingers fanning up, so your fingers are pointing towards their armpit, that's the general placement of the latissimus dorsi. And if you imagine your arms up in the air, or even if you can do it right now, if you're sitting down and you pull your elbows in close to your sides, that is the concentric contraction of the latissimus dorsi. So one of its main actions is shoulder extension. So if you are in upward dog, you're moving into shoulder extension, your latissimus dorsi is in part acting to create that shoulder extension. You're, uh, even though your hands are under your shoulders, you're pulling the heels of your hands slightly back. That's creating that shoulder extension as a result of the concentric contraction of your latissimus dorsi. One more thing on that. This is something I recently came to appreciate. Um, when you have students in upward dog, generally speaking, a good action cue is to have them push down to lift up through the crown of their head. And if they have good alignment of the shoulders over the wrists, they really get that straight dynamic line of effort um, through the joint line of the arms. However, now that we've just talked about this idea of the lats and the placement of the lats, the origin and insertion, if you also have them kind of drag the heels of their hands back a bit, not to literally move their hands, but kind of traction backwards, that can activate the lats a little more and may give them a little more stability and just a feeling of um, uh, stability in the posture, especially because sometimes people do say their lower back hurts in upward dog. That may take some of the pressure off the uh, erector spinae muscles uh, in the lumbar spine and may create a little bit of you know, lack of discomfort there if, if they have that sensation when they just press down into the ground. So hopefully all of that is helpful. And one thing I'll add as well, I do have uh, something that I'll be offering later this month that I offer every once in a while is a meditation on anatomy. And it's a, I think it's like a half an hour long. It's an audio meditation on anatomy. I walk you through the body and the body and the muscles. And it's done 
in an, a meditation format. So you literally are seated, you're closing your eyes, you're listening to the meditation I'm doing with you uh, as if it were just like a regular audio meditation. However, it's an anatomy lesson. So it's a really cool way to use your meditation time to up your anatomy knowledge, but it's also a cool way to learn anatomy because you don't have a picture in front of you. So it really can challenge the mind a bit. And at the same time, it can really help make the information stick by really asking you through the meditation to connect to these different parts of your body as you hear me cue the different muscles. So if that's something you're interested in trying, even though I don't have the offer open right now, just DM me. You can DM me on Instagram, Barebones Yoga, or just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com, and I'd be glad to send you the link to that. So I want to end this episode by just doing a touch point on a couple different inquiry questions or a couple different personal development or mindset shift questions. I'm posting these all this week on my Instagram, in my Instagram stories, and also doing a full-blown video about each one with an anatomy lesson. So very much like this podcast episode in the Facebook group that I talked about before. So that's the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy Work Group. So if you're in that work group, you're gonna see some of these themes blown out every day in its own video. So I wanted to just in this week's podcast, kind of make the linkage between those different platforms and give you one place to kind of get all of these themes together. And all these questions, all these mindset kind of personal development questions are all designed to set you up, kind of like I said in the beginning of this episode, set you up in a way so that when we emerge and when you emerge from your house, uh, at the end of this time, um, you will hopefully be stronger, be better, be more self-aware, and be ready to step into more of the regularity of your schedule of your life, a different person. And you will not just get back in the same old habits you had before. Even if you had great habits, even if you felt like you're really kind of a, a a person who's got a lot of self-awareness and you're mindful and, and, and you have kind of a good sense of where you want to go. Um, for many people, you know, this has been a scary time because it's kind of forced them to face a lot of things about, about their life. So all of these questions are really geared towards kind of giving you an opportunity for some of this looking inward. So the first one is what is possible for you today? And I want you to just kind of you know, I would even say every morning when you wake up to have that be something that you set as a question for yourself, maybe even put it on a post-it note in your bathroom. What is possible for me today? Because right out of the gate, if you start your day with that mindset, it completely shifts your frequency, your vibe, just the general tone of your day from what so many people focus on now, which is what they can't do, to what they can do. And there's so much that is possible for you as an individual, even with all the restrictions that are in place right now. And I promise you, if you wake up and you start to think about what is possible, you'll be amazed at how much your intuition brings to the surface. You know, I can remember when I was a 
in early in my career, when I was a clinical social worker and a rehab counselor, I worked in a rehab setting with head injured patients, traumatic head injured patients. So people that had, had strokes or car accidents, different kinds of trauma. And I also worked as a rehab counselor with people that had long time mental illnesses and everything from manic depression to deep depression to uh, schizophrenia. So in my clinical work, I used to use this question with patients and even someone in the depths of depression can think of one thing that is possible for them in that day. And sometimes you have to frame it that way because if you make it too big and too broad, it's completely overwhelming. And so when I say, think about what is possible for you today, it doesn't mean that you're going to say, I'm going to write a book, right? No one's going to write a book in one day, I don't think. Um, so it's more about what do you think is possible? And even like in the case of some of my patients, it was, I'm going to get up and I'm going to take a shower. And for that person, that was a huge possibility to mentally think about let alone to execute on. So I want you to keep in mind as you're approaching your days, especially now, to start your day out, and this is again, just a suggestion. I mean, I'm just offering this as something to think about, uh, to start your day out by allowing yourself to tap into your own intuition and ask yourself what is possible for you today. And especially because I know my audience is yoga teachers, think about what is possible for you today as a yoga teacher. Maybe there are opportunities for you to be inspired to new ways that you can share your knowledge, given that you can't do it in person in studios right now. And asking that question is all your psyche needs to have those ideas come forth. So the next one is, in what areas of your teaching do you wish to expand? So this goes back to what I was talking about earlier with the teachers that signed up for my Blueprint Learning Program, right? They knew, as I'm doing these interviews with them, they knew what the catalyst was to them signing up. They knew because they sat down and they assessed where their teaching was at and they made uh, a strategic decision about something that they could invest in that could help them fill that gap. So what about for you? In what areas of your teaching do you wish to expand? Right now you're not teaching because the studios are closed. So what a perfect time to sit down with a piece of paper and start to write out, how do I wanna grow as a teacher? Where do I see myself going? What's my mission? What's my purpose, right? These are all questions that can help you define from that beginning with the end in mind mindset of Stephen Covey, define these things. And then you're so much better armed to go out and make good decisions about trainings. And once this crisis time has passed, you'll be able to make those decisions and make those investments coming from a base of knowledge. So I just throw that one out to you. Uh, in what areas of your teaching do you wish to expand? The next one is, this is just kind of a, a open-ended question. I am a person who, I am a person who, I want you to just think about that and put every possible answer down that comes to mind, right? I am a person who is afraid about money. I am a person who is confident. I am a person who um, is always overweight. I am a person who struggles with depression. I am a person who is optimistic, whatever it is, just as many things as you can write down. And then go back and look at the list and think about where do these identity things come from, right? Because a lot of times there are beliefs that we hold that we don't even own, that somebody else kind of imposed on us or a situation we had when we were younger made us think 
we were that kind of person. And I promise you, unless you begin to face some of these self-limiting beliefs, it's very difficult to make progress, not only in your teaching, but in your life. I mean, think about somebody who thinks, I am a person who is afraid to talk in front of other people, but yet they're in a yoga teacher training, right? That's a complete like dichotomy, right? It's just like a complete opposite of the kind. So letting go of that attachment to that self-identity or that identity or belief is so important for that teacher in order for that teacher to progress and to make that impact that they want to make. So again, this is a perfect time for you to do that introspective work to start to call to the surface, what are some of these beliefs that you have about yourself and do you want to have those anymore? I mean, I bet you a lot of people right now are thinking, I thought I was the kind of person who couldn't be with myself and now I'm finding out that I can, right? And so maybe through this time, you're going to find out some stuff about yourself and you're going to be kind of psyched, kind of proud, like, wow, I'm really making, making it through this and I'm really surprising myself. So that's, that's an opportunity for you to um, do that, that introspective work. And then the last one is, here's, here's kind of the question. If you're done playing small, now is a perfect time to play big. So it's not really a question, it's more of a thought. Now, it, wait, if you're done playing small, now is a perfect time to play big. So if you feel like you're the kind of person who has been kind of hiding, right? So now we're, I don't want to say we're hiding in our homes, but you know, if you're in your house more, it probably feels like you're hiding to a certain extent, but maybe that's the way that you've been kind of living your life. Maybe there are three or four things that you really want to do with your teaching, with your life that you've been really holding back on. You've been playing small, right? When I was saying earlier about all these things that I didn't do, you know, in, in the past and, and even the recent past, like two, two or three years ago, um, that I, I do regret, I do regret that I didn't take action then, but I know that I was so wrapped up in those self-limiting beliefs I had about myself that I don't have anymore. I mean, even doing this podcast and having these kind of, you know, spontaneous conversations with you all through the ether, right? Because you're not here when I'm having these conversations. And then knowing my words are recorded and out there for anyone to listen to. This isn't something, even for me, who loves to give presentations, has tons of experience giving presentations. Even to me, this is kind of like, wow, I'm really doing this. And so I encourage you, think about where you're playing small in your life and think about how you can use this time to put that identity to the side and step forward, right? Now, more than ever, people need yoga teachers. I mean, they obviously need a lot of different people. Um, and shout out to all the healthcare workers who are on the front lines. Um, and as yoga teachers, we can help people with the skills that we have around meditation, mindfulness, self-care, self-nurturing, compassion, meta-meditation, um, physical movement, asana, yoga, breathing techniques, pranayama, right? So there's so many things that you have in your skill set as a yoga teacher that are needed right now. And how are you going to get out there and get the word out about it, right? I don't know if you listened to episode 67, which was with my friend 
Nick um, Bonnie Tatabus, and he is a media consultant and strategist. It was all about getting online, building an online strategy, right? Now everybody is going online as a yoga teacher. What I want for you though, my audience, is I want you to do it strategically. Hey, I'm all for, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I applaud anyone who's just putting stuff up there just to get the word out and to be of service. In addition to that though, you can also be operating in a way where you're building a more long-term strategy that you can continue to nurture when this whole time is done, right? What I want for you is not that when the studios are open, you abandon your online outreach. I want you to continue to have that be a part of what you offer and how you reach people. And that episode 67 is all about that. The other thing I'll say is that if you want some help building an online business strategy, just send me a DM or send me an email and I can tell you about how I can help you and in what format. So we've reached the end of the podcast today and I want to just end here by saying a couple things. I want to thank the teachers who have left some recent reviews on iTunes. They've been really fun to see. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I do want to remind you that all last week uh, I did a five-part series all about different topics that are germane to what's happening right now. So we talked about nutrition, we talked about stress management and mental health, money management, the episode with Nick about building a digital strategy for your yoga business. And then I ended the week talking to my friend Kat Fowler about energy, energy management, energy healing. And, and that was the, the last one of this series. And so that whole series was designed to really give you information that's really relevant right now, given what is going on with the COVID crisis. So if you missed any of those episodes, please go back and listen to them if you think they'd be helpful. And then just again, a reminder, the waiting list for my two signature programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and the Mentorship Program are right on my website, barebonesyoga.com. So we're at the end of the podcast. Here it is, March 31st. I wish you well, stay well, stay healthy adhere to all the guidelines, go above and beyond what they say in an effort to keep yourself healthy uh, in terms of your physical health, and really take this time um, as much as possible as a way to grow on the mental health and personal development side of things, and we will all emerge from this better and stronger. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for yoga teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my Mentorship Program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.